0: This podcast is only for the attention of professional investors in the financial industry. Outer Blue by Amundi. Welcome to Blue Research. Knowledge sharing on financial research. Welcome to the Amundi Podcast. I'm Swaha Patanai, Head of Publishing. And today, we're going to be discussing the outlook for 2023 and why there's some light ahead for investors after this year's market turmoil. Joining me to spread a bit of cheer is Monica Defend, head of the Imundi Institute. Monica, welcome. It's a pleasure to have you with us.
1: Thank you, Swara. It's my pleasure to be here today with you.
0: So, 2022 has been a really tough year for investors. I think you calculated it's been nearly a century since we last saw bonds and equities both lose so much ground at the same time. I think listeners will therefore be glad to hear you are a bit more optimistic about the outlook for next year.
1: Hopefully, and uh, finger crossed, uh, we, uh, we won't see uh, any uh, black swan uh, coming in uh, next year that by definition are not predictable. But um, with this in mind, uh, we do believe that uh, moving into the next year, somewhat the energy crisis will be softening. And this will be definitely rather important for regions such as uh, Europe. Uh, the big, big change uh, we do expect is uh, a regime shift on the inflation front. So basically, uh, we see inflation abating down from an hyperinflation regime into an inflationary regime that uh, for giving you a range of reference when it goes to the United States, uh, we see inflation to stay between 3 and 6%. And this will uh, allow central banks, in particular the Federal Reserve, to go easier on the on the tightening. But as uh, Powell said, it is uh, not uh, the moderation in the size uh, of the hikes that matters, but is for how long this will be uh, prosecuted. But definitely, uh, these are uh, the uh, two uh, key points we are looking at. The third one is that, If the energy crisis uh, softens and the uh, central banks uh, will touch uh, their uh, terminal rate, we do expect earnings uh, to to bottom out uh, between the second and third quarter of next year. Well, that's all very
0: encouraging. But I have to ask, Monica, you're only expecting some light rather than a full-fledged outbreak of sunshine next year. So what's keeping you a little bit cautious and what are some of the risks that you see ahead?
1: Definitely whatever relates to uh, financial stability and this uh, might come with uh, monetary policy and fiscal policy that are not uh, partnering uh, as we would like to see. Actually, we do expect more uh, fiscal policy next year and if uh, they are not coherent, we might see uh, episodes uh, like in October in in the uh, United Kingdom um when it goes uh to policies again uh, some policy mistakes uh, might uh take place think about china and the uh, zero covid policy how tough uh, it has been and it is still on the on the country Inflation staying higher than a uh, central bank's target and around a uh, current level uh, for an extended period uh, might um, really kick in a serious deflationary outcome with the Fed or the ECB to keep uh, tightening uh, for a prolonged uh, period and last but not least the geopolitical tensions so worsening escalation in the in the war between Russia and Ukraine or uh, some deterioration further deterioration in the tension uh, between US and, and China
0: quite a few nuances to take into account for investors then. Um, so, let's put this all together and see how this is feeding through to your view on asset classes. Uh, perhaps we could start with fixed income where you think, and I'm summing up here your words here, bonds are back. Could you explain perhaps why this will be the case?
1: Yeah, definitely. If uh, we mm, pencil in this economic slowdown that is uh, globally going to take place uh, moving into next year, and inflation that we uh, expect to have peaked uh, at least uh, in the in the United States, and we expect it to peak uh, this last quarter in uh, in Europe, this will allow central banks. Uh, uh, tightening cycle to slow down and terminal rates to be uh, reached. So uh, in a nutshell, rising yields uh, that we have seen means that the fixed income now offers uh, a buffer with less uh, volatility. And if you want, it's a revival of the 60-40 allocation, uh, 60 equities, 40 uh, bonds. But when it goes specifically into the fixed income with respect to uh, stabilisation in uh, in rates, after the great repricing, we think we are close uh, to a stabilization before uh, a final normalization stage uh, kicks in. At this level, yields are attractive. And by the way, they offer a good diversification layer uh, within uh, a multi-asset uh, balanced portfolio. And valuation-wise, we think we should uh, focus on high-quality debt, or govies EG, credit and explore opportunities in selective emerging markets, adopting, if you want, a flexible approach, being mindful of liquidity risk, in particular when you go when it goes to credit.
0: Thank you, Monica. Let's turn. You mentioned the sixty forty portfolio. So let's turn to the sixty bit of the, the portfolio allocation that you just mentioned. What are you looking for on equities? You touched on it briefly with the background, but have you they've started at least fighting their way back from this year's lows? What are your thoughts of where they're going next?
1: Well, there are some key moments uh, or signposts that uh, we need to have in mind uh, before reconsidering a structural repositioning on the equity and more in general, uh, the risky asset. First of all, uh, central bank uh, reaching the uh, terminal rate, so uh, getting a pause in their hiking cycle and second the earnings recession uh, that uh, it is currently uh, in place in the united states with respect this uh, uh, to to bottom out so uh, really um a recovery in the uh, in the real economy and this will allow um stock pickers uh, to be back taking and reconsidering uh, the the exposure and the sequencing uh, in their their positioning on uh, risk assets. So uh, when it goes uh, to the regional regional allocation, you might move uh, out of the US and then uh, refocusing when uh, you enter uh, somewhere in 23, 24, a recovery stage. Uh, defensive, cyclicals, and then back uh, to the fencing when you land on the uh, recovery, starting with quality value, high dividend, low volatility, entry more uh, into deep values, small caps, high volatility, uh, when the uh, recovery stage, uh, will, um, will take place. So it is really a matter of sequencing and recalibration of the, of the portfolio accordingly. Thank you. Um, we've been talking
0: about this traditional 60-40 portfolio allocation, but you know, given what you were talking about earlier with the new regime and the inflation levels that you're projecting, which will be different from where we saw inflation settle in the last four decades, perhaps, what is your thinking on how the 60-40 portfolio allocation may need to be updated
1: perhaps a little bit? Definitely. Uh, when uh, we face uh, um, a shift in, in a regime, this is something uh, quite uh, quite relevant that is going uh, to alter the, the correlations and mm, as well as the dynamics uh, in, uh, in in the market. Last but not least, uh, volatility. So, with all of these ingredients in mind, it would be uh, really uh, time to reload uh, a balanced uh, portfolio. So, start cautiously in uh, 2023 in what we call a correction phase and then progressively increasing the risk moving into uh, the the second half of next year, which means basically uh, start uh, softer on the equity front increasing it uh, later on in the second second, uh, half of the year and progressively uh, adding risk through uh, the exposure into, into credit. I would also emphasize the importance of commodities, uh, uh, bonds, uh, or more more in general, all the commodities uh, related to the uh, renewable, uh, that will allow uh, some sources uh, of uh, of value, as well as some protection and diversification in in the portfolios.
0: Thank you very much, Monica. Uh, let me ask you: Investors are very focused at the moment on liquidity, but are there other, perhaps, less liquid ways of inflation-proofing one's asset, which you know may? Be on the margins, perhaps more interesting these days.
1: Uh, well, we speak a lot on uh, on real asset, and we have seen some uh, repositioning uh, of investors in the in the recent uh, weeks. I'm talking about uh, infrastructure, real estate, that by definition are less liquid, but definitely uh, they are good uh, inflation hedges. Brilliant. We're nearly out of time, unfortunately, Monica. But before we wind up.
0: Let me ask you what you're most positive on in the coming year. And I'm going to give you free reign to decide whether it's an asset class, a region, a country, whatever you pick.
1: Well, uh, I will say that uh, it is difficult to uh, have in mind uh, a top performer for the year. Uh, as we were mentioning, sequencing uh, will depend on different um, events uh, to, to materialize. So I would uh, start constructive on gold. Uh, in particular half for the uh, first quarter as well as on treasury and then reconsidering and you might be allowed to ask me this question again please looking
0: forward to a mid-year once we've got through the two you've uh, suggested Monica thank you very much for joining us and also for giving us some hope that there's light at the end of the tunnel uh, ahead of us and thanks to all of you for taking the time to tune in and listen to us today we hope you'll join us again soon Is only for the attention of professional investors, as defined in Directive 2004/39/EC, dated 21st of April 2004, on markets in financial instruments called MiFID, investment services providers, and any other professional of the financial industry. Views are subject to change and should not be relied upon as investment advice on behalf of Amundi.